Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, today, as I promised, I'm going to switch gears a little bit and move into literature again for this episode. Uh, and in this episode, I'm going to go into a little bit in th- of three different poets from the Romantic period. Uh, one of the things that I've kind of been doing in this season one is just giving uh, sort of brief introductions to all of the areas. Um, as we go into season two, season three, and so on, it's going to be more the way you would expect things to go if you were taking college courses. Whereas your first year is intro courses, you're just getting a little bit of a taste of everything. And then as you go into, you know, the following years, you get much more in depth on all of the areas and kind of expand them quite a bit. So today I want to expand a little bit, but not too much, still keeping it to an introduction. Uh, on the Romantics. Now, I covered them with the Wordsworth poem a little bit, and I covered them a little bit in the history of uh, English and American uh, literature. Um, But I want to do three poems in particular uh, by three different poets. I want to do one by William Blake, I want to do parts of one by William Wordsworth, and then parts of one by Percy Shelley. Uh, I picked these three because they kind of give you some of the main elements uh, that are associated with the Romantic period. Um, If you remember, the Romantic period is kind of a transition period. Not only do we move um, away from uh, sort of the classical literature where everything's about kings and queens and, and knights, and we move into more of the realm of the regular people, but the Romantics are also rebelling against a lot of things that are going on in the Enlightenment. Um, so if you you know remember back to the uh, essays on the Enlightenment or the the uh, podcast on the Enlightenment, we talked about some of the ways that philosophers had kind of rebelled against the Enlightenment. Well, philosophers that are strictly known as philosophers weren't the only ones to uh, rebel against it in many ways. <clears throat> um, some of the people who rebelled against it were artists and poets. Uh, And the Romantic poets are uh, generally within this class. Now, part of what the uh, Romantics are kind of uh, fighting against is the Enlightenment ideas that kind of uh, spring from Newton, kind of the ideas of the clockwork universe, uh, where everything is um, able to be calculated and there's no room for anything. It just functions like a clock. Uh, And the Romantics start to bring in some objections to this um, because they see, well, then where does this leave creativity? Where does this leave love? Where does this leave passion? Where does this leave, you know, a life beyond just being a part of a machine? Um, So I want to start with Blake. Uh, William Blake is usually considered as a pre-Romantic, but he extends into the Romantic period. Um, Blake kind of transcends them a little bit but in okay i wanted to pick up again um i had to pause because we had some fire engines going by and i didn't want that to drown out the sound in the podcast um i want to go into william blake first and i want to go into his poem london uh starts out I wander through each chartered street near where the chartered Thames does flow and mark in every face I meet marks of weakness, marks of woe. In every cry of man, in every infant's cry of fear, in every voice, in every ban, the mind forged manacles I hear. 
How the chimney sweeps cry every blackening church appalls. The hapless soldier sigh runs in blood down the palace walls. But through midnight streets I hear how the blissful harlots curse, blast the newborn infant's tear, and blights with plagues the marriage hearse. Now he has a lot of very subtle criticisms if you don't look at them closely, but if you see they're very blistering criticisms. Um, this is not walking through and talking about how happy he, everyone is that he sees. Um, this is sort of describing scenes of, of poverty and misery. Uh, and Blake was one that had a lot of poems that dealt in the misery of the common people. Uh, you see a lot of echoes of Blake in poets who come after him. You know, this is not something you really would have seen much in poets before Blake. Uh, before Blake, most of the time, any sorrow or sadness that would uh, be discussed would be the sorrows and sadnesses of the upper classes. Uh, whereas Blake is very much bringing this to the people of the street um, and to not even the middle class people. These are the poor people, chimney sweeps and um, the prostitutes and soldiers and, and basically the people who are at the lower end of society. And he's sort of bringing these people out uh, into the light. Um, he actually has a couple of poems called The Chimney Sweep, one in Songs of Innocence and one in Songs of Experience, where he kind of, in Songs of Innocence, he takes a uh, kind of the view, the the typical view that as long as, you know, the chimney sweeps do what they're told, they'll all be happy and live in heaven. Um, and in the Songs of Experience, he kind of takes a much darker view of it. And, and kind of gives how they're uh, very much broken. <clears throat> now his discussing of the uh, blackening uh, church, uh, how every blackening church appalls, uh, he was very much against any organized religion. Um, he saw organized religion as something that was um, not only something that caused a great deal of evil, uh, but something that really wasn't, anything uh, that God or Jesus would approve of. Uh, he saw it as something that was very much about denying life. Um, and he has a lot of uh, critiques that he writes in other places um, about, you know, people, uh, people's lives being destroyed by trying to be what they're not, follow all these rules, live in misery just so they can go to heaven later. His his view was that um, you didn't get to heaven by being miserable. Um, you got to heaven by, uh, by living and by improving your intellect, by improving your mind. So he has a very different view of religion. This is a much more individualist view of religion. It's, it's not something that, you know, you would, you would see as uh, sanctioned by any church. This is something very radical for the time period, kind of the idea of the church is absolutely not the way to go if you want to um, follow what's true. Um, he also takes a stab at the state um, with the palace walls uh, with blood running down them. You know, this is sort of the image that, you know, kings and queens and aristocrats um, Basically, they build their palaces on the bloods of the blood of soldiers and the blood of the common people. So it's 
it's through sacrifices of regular people that these things even exist. It's built upon the misery of everyone else. Um, <clears throat> and then when he talks about the harlots and, you know, then contrasts them with the uh, married, with being married, and he calls it a marriage hearse. You know, a hearse is what you put a dead body in for a funeral. Uh, and so this is kind of equating uh, marriage with death. And and Blake was very much one of the uh, originators uh, of, of the sort of the free love movement. When people think of the free love movement, they think of the 1960s and the hippies. The free love movement is much older than that. Um, you know, this this starts to get going in the be uh, in the beginning of the uh, 1800s. Uh, other uh, famous people who were sort of part of this and writing about this were Mary Wollstonecraft and her husband, William Godwin. Now, the names, those names might sound familiar to you because their daughter uh, is Mary Wollstonecraft, who, who in turn marries Percy Shelley and becomes Mary Shelley. Um, she's the one who wrote Frankenstein. So Mary Shelley not only has a husband who's an artist, uh, she comes from parents who are intellectuals and radical intellectuals at that. Uh, Mary Wollstonecraft wrote a lot on um, rights of women and wrote a lot about uh, marriage being sort of a form of slavery for women. Uh, so um, Blake is very much in this tradition. He's very much an admirer of Mary Wollstonecraft and William Godwin. They're sort of peers about the same time period. <clears throat> so you can kind of see where even early in the Romantic period, even before um, Wordsworth starts to take off, you start to get a lot of these ideas of rebellion. Now a lot of this sort of skips over what's generally referred to as the first generation of romantics. Uh, they tend to be much more politically conservative than the younger romantics and than what William Blake was. Um, the older romantics, uh, Wordsworth and Coleridge, uh, tended to have very long, uh, prosperous careers um, that, and in fact, they were both po poet laureate for a time, um, which meant basically they were sort of like the state poet. Um, so they were very much in the uh, graces of the people in power. Whereas the younger Romantics and uh, Blake were very much outside of those graces. Um, okay, I want to shift into Wordsworth because I want to sort of give you just little uh, sections of these things. Uh, and with Wordsworth, I want to kind of focus this around nature and nature's connection to uh, people. Remember we talked about a little bit with realism and naturalism where they were rebelling against the romantics. Well, one of the things they rebelled against was the idea that nature and the individual were intimately tied. And Wordsworth is one of the uh, largest poets that kind of puts this forth, this idea. And I want to do a uh, few stanzas of I Wandered Lonely as a Cloud. <clears throat> First stanza starts out, I wandered lonely as a cloud that floats on high over vales and hills, when all at once I saw a crowd, a host of golden daffodils, beside the lake, beneath the trees, fluttering and dancing in the breeze. So he's very much right from the first 
stanza, he takes you into this image of nature. Um, skipping down to the third stanza, the waves beside them danced, but they outdid the sparkling waves in glee. A poet could not help, could not but be gay in such jocund company. I gazed and gazed, but little thought what wealth the show to me had brought. Um, so he's, you know, sort of unaware at the moment uh, what it, it did for him. But in the last stanza, he kind of brings this back. Uh, for oft when I'm when on my couch I lie in vacant or in pensive mood, they flash upon that inward eye, which is the bliss of solitude. And then my heart with pleasure fills and dances with the daffodils. Um, so this is sort of this thing where the connection, the uh, exposure to nature becomes a healing uh, thing. You know, in, in, in moments when he's kind of uh, a little bit down, he kind of goes back into this image in his head that he saved and it sort of brings him back um, to the glory of it and remember the different romantics kind of took different approaches because some of them tended to be more gloomy like Edgar Allan Poe uh, where you know the connection of nature was the gloominess inside the the person was the gloominess outside and you see this some in Byron too um, but the connection is there and this is one of the big differences between the romantics and those that came before and those that came after uh, those that came before saw nature as more connected with religion connected with god uh, with spirituality uh, in the romantics nature becomes uh, something not necessarily connected to that but well, i shouldn't say not necessarily connected to that but not connected to it in a way sort of traditional church way, more like what Blake would have been talking about. This is a connection that's more to the real spirit of God rather than to, you know, the rituals and formalities of, uh, of a religion. So Wordsworth is a good one to kind of think of when you are looking at that connection of uh, the individual and nature. Uh, now I want to move into Shelley. And as I said, Shelley is kind of really connected to um, Blake in a lot of ways because Shelley has a lot of that rebellion, even more so than Blake. In fact, Shelley was, so many of his works were so rebellious and so they were, they were considered obscenity at the time. And most of his stuff was not published until after he had died. Um, and so he goes through his life, we think of him as sort of this famous poet and he is a famous poet after the fact. During his life, he's more famous from the circle he hangs around in, hanging around with Byron, hanging around with Keats, um, with Mary. They're all much more famous and known. He's, he's very obscure within his lifetime. And this is um, why I picked him because and, and picked the poem that I'm going to do is that there's also the beginnings in the Romantic period, the connection between a poet or a painter as being an artist, as being a celebrity. You know, prior to the Romantics, um, poets and, and painters, and they were thought of more as craftsmen. Uh, Chaucer was more of a craftsman. Shakespeare was more of a craftsman. He was a playwright. Um, starting in the Romantic period, you get more of this cult of celebrity. Now, most people would talk about Byron because 
Byron uh, really was the celebrity of of the younger romantics, and in fact, he was a bigger name than even the the older romantics because his poetry sold unbelievable amounts in that time period. <clears throat> um, Byron is sort of the prototype of the uh, of the rock star, you know, the bad boy that always does something controversial, uh, that's always doing what he's not supposed to, sleeping with who he's not supposed to, uh, getting into all kinds of uh, scandals and trouble. Um, so Byron was very well known in his lifetime, whereas Shelley is is very obscure. And this poem from Shelley is kind of Shelley's thinking about this obscurity that he has. Uh, Go into the second stanza. This is stanzas written in dejection. Um, <clears throat> if you go into the second stanza about halfway down, I sit upon the sands alone. The lightning of the noontide ocean is flashing around me, and a tone arises from its measured motion. How sweet. Did my heart now share my in my emotion? Did any heart now share in my emotion? So he's sitting there, and he's recording this, and he's writing these lines and he's sort of thinking about the fact that is anyone ever going to get anything out of this except for me you know so there's already sort of this pressure to be famous uh we we have that pressure even more so today uh, but back in this time period you're already starting to see it where Shelley kind of feels like he's a nothing because he hasn't gotten famous like byron like keats like wordsworth um okay go into stanza three uh, alas, I have no, nor hope, nor health, nor peace within, nor calm around, nor that constant surpassing wealth a sage in meditation found, and walked with inward glory crowned, nor fame, nor power, nor love, nor leisure. Others I seem whom these surround, smiling they live, and l call life pleasure. To me that cup has been dealt in another in another measure." So he sees everybody around him as being happy and successful, and the people around him were successful. Uh, whether they were happy or not is another story, but they did have a lot of success. And again, you start to see part of this modern fixation with um, needing to be known, you know, which has been very much amplified in in the you know the current times, where everyone has to be internet famous and and be known by everyone. So these three elements uh, that I've talked about with these three poets uh, sort of give you some of the big themes that come out of the Romantic period. And as I said, later in future uh, seasons of the podcast, we're actually going to start going into uh, different poets and different writers um, much more in uh, particular and do it like entire series of episodes on one writer and, and his or her works. Um, but for now, I just want to kind of keep sort of bringing these uh, ideas out a little more uh, so that as we get into them more deeply, um, you can kind of start to then just grab onto the new material that I'm putting out there. Okay, I'm going to try to cut this off for now. Uh, I hope all of you are doing well, and I hope all of you are staying safe. Have a good night.